JT, as I look at uh, the Cavaliers from last night, I didn't expect them to beat Boston, right? No, Evan Mobley, their best defender, was out. Levert was a game-time decision. He did play. Uh, Boston, to me, is the better team, and they're playing back-to-back games. I thought if the Cavs were going to beat Boston, it would be the second Boston Mm -hmm. game on Thursday night, right? I get greedy. Um, I I want to steal the first one because, you know, you got to play them again Thursday. Right, yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, it's a two-game losing streak now, Orlando-Boston. You wrap up with Boston, then you come home against Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But they're 13-0. and This is a 500 basketball this team this year, and I want to find out why from Sam Amico, who covers this right. on a regular basis uh, for HoopsWire.com. Amico Hoops uh, on Twitter is where you can find him, and occasionally here on the Kenny and JT Show, and he joins us right now. Sam, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Happy holidays. We're great. Thanks for making time for us, Sam. 13 and 11. You are what your record says you are. They're a little bit above 500. And, uh, you know, uh, the play-in team now, right? If we look at the standings at about the quarter mark, what do you make of this basketball team from what you've seen with your own eyes and people that you've talked to uh, within the organization and throughout the NBA? Yeah, my own eyes, I think the first thing is, and you know, we've had this conversation, it seems like, with the Cavs for 10 years. They've got to stay healthy. You know, they're not – they don't have great, great depth in terms of, you know, seven, eight deep. You're talking about a team that, while they have guys who could contribute seven, eight deep, they just don't have that regular score off the bench that's consistent uh, to, to – suffer these injuries to starters and they've had so many you know it started with Allen then you had Mitchell out for a couple games Garland out uh you know now you got Evan Mobley out so uh it just seems like they've been unable to keep anything together and cohesive because it's always someone always has either a knee injury or something like that so that's been a problem I think because when they've been healthy guys They're pretty good. I mean, they've won, I think, 8 of 10 when they have all five starters. So, I mean, that's 8 and 2. But you remove one starter, and it's a different team. So they've also had, you know, look, the Orlando-Boston swing, this is a tough swing for them. The fact that they went into Miami and won that game, they just haven't been able to put anything really together for any sort of extended stretch even though they've certainly had their moments. So I don't think that being around 500 right now is the worst thing in the world considering everything. But like you said, Kenny, at some point you've got to put together some, you know, a hot streak here where you're winning five, six, seven in a row. They just haven't been able to do that. We expected so much this year, Sam Amico. We expected a hot start, but like you said, we didn't expect all these injuries. But I'm really interested in your thoughts on the backcourt. And what do you think we can really expect from Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland? Do you think it's going to work? You know, I always have had my doubts mm-hmm. about two small guards in the backcourt winning big, right? You know, getting into the conference finals or or getting to the finals and winning a championship. I, I, that's my own personal feeling. It seems like people around the league have their doubts about that, too. It seems like if you're going to have one six-foot guard who starts or six-foot-one guard who starts, the other one needs to be six-five, six-four, six-five, somewhere in that range. Uh, now, you know, back when the Cavs had 
Laurie Markinen uh, alongside Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. That tended to work a little bit mm-hmm. differently. But the brief tended to be different anyway because they had, you know, they were rolling out guys, three guys who were about seven feet tall, along with those smaller guards. So you made the trade, you went and got Mitchell, uh, you, you dealt Markinen, and now your team's a little bit smaller overall. Uh, you know, can it work? I think it is working this year. Probably when those two are on the floor, you know, they look better than ever. Uh, I think in the limited time this season, but can it work long-term? Is it going to be something that you can win a championship with? Is it going to be something that, you know, gets you to the Eastern conference finals, makes you a regular contender? I don't know. I, I haven't seen it in the NBA before where there's two little guards, uh, you know, by NBA standards, that have been regular contenders. Just haven't seen it historically. Trying to figure out this offense, Sam. I mean, I don't understand it at times, and I understand maybe you get a little bit more up for a team like Boston, maybe a little bit more down for a team that you just beat about a week ago in Orlando. Cavaliers Sunday night scored 94 points, but they went to the line 33 times that night versus nine last night, and we score 113 points. What gives with this offense? Yeah, there's no real consistency, no regularity in terms of what they're running, the schemes. You know, it seems to be a lot of uh, – we saw last night third quarter, and this was this was great for the Cavs, but it might not bode well long-term. Donovan Mitchell, you know, just kind of went one-on-one and scored eight straight points in the third quarter, kept them in the game, uh, even gave them the lead, but nobody else took a shot. You know, so – it seems like, look, a couple of years ago, they were a team that, or, or even when they won in Philadelphia this year, excuse me, when they won in Philadelphia this year, Mitchell missed the game. They ran an offense, played like more of a team basketball. I think Donovan Mitchell is fantastic. He's a wonderful teammate, a wonderful guy. So this isn't about him. But when you have great, individual players, guys who can score on anyone, anywhere, anytime, that can disrupt an offense. And it seems to me that they're trying to figure out how to balance and make this offense work with a dynamic player such as Mitchell, ball-dominant players such as Mitchell, and a ball-dominant dynamic player such as Garland. How are they making that work? I don't know. And Orlando, they just shot the ball terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were uh, yeah. Yang or Struess or somebody was 0 of 10, somebody else was 1 of 9. These, some nights you just miss shots. But the offense overall, big picture-wise, uh, yeah, it leaves a little bit to be desired because last year in the playoffs against the Knicks, the Knicks Ooh. totally removed Mitchell from that series, and then the Caps had no idea what to do. Sam Amico, our guest, happy to have him with us here talking Cavs basketball. Hoopswire.com is where you can find uh, a lot of his stuff as well as on Twitter, at Amico Hoops. Uh, Sam, I just looked at the schedule. After this Thursday night game at Boston, 11 of their next 14 are at home, Sam. Right? We always hear about home cooking, especially around the holidays uh, and, and whatnot. Uh, is this where they need to get fat on that home cooking uh, by winning, uh, let's say, in those next 14 games, at least 10 out of those 14 games? Yeah, that's where you, you know, ideally you split on the road and you win your home games and win 90% of them. Well, because of the injuries, they haven't been great at home this season. They've been better on the road. You know, entering this trip or entering the Orlando game, 
Now they're seven and five on the road, but they won seven of the first ten on the road. We're six and six at home. So, you know, here comes this stretch in January. This is you're exactly right, Kenny. This is where you have to make up ground. You know, you have eleven of fourteen. You've got a stretch there of I think what four or five a row at home. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's theoretically injuries or not. It's time to start moving and getting things going uh, because. Otherwise, you'll be hovering around, like you said, they're in the play-in tournament spot right now. You're going to be hovering around that if you don't suddenly get on a hot streak. Now, granted, they have a lot of time to do that, but if you're looking at this schedule, that is the stretch. You know what? 11-14 at home, win 10 of them, and guess what? You're up there probably pretty close to Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. You're right back in that mix of making sure you get home court advantage in the first round. Because right now, yeah, they've been so up and down. And, and part of that, again, is dumb luck, schedule, dumb fortune. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that has to be included in that. But at some point, you know, you're going to be judged on nothing but your record. And that time is nearing. I hate to sound like Kenny at times. They're so frustrating to watch, and I don't just want to ask negative questions. So I have to look at something positive last night. Karis LeVert comes in. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Karis LeVert comes in. He pulls a J.R. Smith. Instant offense. That was nice. And he's coming back from being injured. And it makes me wonder, how long do we think it'll last until we see Evan Mobley come back? Yeah, you know, LeVert, sure. That's, that's what he's supposed to do. And he's, for the most part, done it this year you know up until he got injured really the first time he had been playing probably second best consistently on the team uh at least through the first through three weeks of the season you know can he sustain that that's hard to tell because he's been very up and down uh in cleveland but i thought this year when he came back those first two three weeks he was other than mitchell the most reliable guy so you know, that's, that's the good thing. And th- there are a lot of positives. Look, they're, they're winning games like beating Philadelphia and Philadelphia. They had won so many games, uh, as I mentioned, when, they're, when they have all five starters. So those are, those are really good things. And, and really, it was the injuries that set them back at the beginning, in my opinion. So I think they're right on track to where they should be. The question is, can they stay healthy? And to answer your next question, no idea on Mobley. Uh, they're very most like most professional sports organizations mm-hmm. these days. Very secretive, very standoffish when it comes. <coughs> excuse me to answering questions about injury. Sam, I told Kenny this last week. From watching the team on a regular basis, at times it looks as though. They're not as close-knit as they were maybe a year ago, maybe even two years ago. We know two years ago is a totally different uh, roster. But as far as guys' attitude on this team right now, is there any dissension between either teammates or maybe even between team members and J.B. Bickerstaff? I haven't gotten the sense that there's there's any dissension at all. I I would say the one thing that they did do when Kobe Altman built this team uh, starting really as soon as LeBron James left was, you know, what teams can overachieve? Okay. Well, those are the teams with good cultures, mm-hmm. right? You know, teammates who get along, teammates who respect each other and admire each other. I do sense, I, I will tell you sometimes Max Struess gets frustrated 
you know, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that, that there's dissension. I think that it's just okay. your typical thing, like a rock band. You guys spend enough time together, you know, marriages, whatever. You spend enough time with another person. There's going to be some, I don't want to say rocky roads because that's not where the cabs are, but there's going to be some frustrations from time to time. And you have, especially the basketball team, you have so many different personalities. Uh, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be times where there's not togetherness. But I will tell you this. They may not win as many championships, one, that they won with LeBron James, but they are much more unified than any of those LeBron James teams ever were. Constant drama, and they still won. So, to me, even if there is a little bit of drama, it's overplayed. I think the Cavs really have one of the best cultures going for them right now in the entire NBA. Uh, they just they they very unified even when things don't work. Uh, they they seem to have a lot of togetherness, a lot of friendly banter in the locker room, a lot of support of each other, which I didn't see a lot of in previous eras of the Cavs when I when I went to the locker room. So I would say, JT, that everything right now is is very good, and of course that could change in a, on a dime, but now it's good. All right, Evan Mobley is my concern, Sam, because third overall pick. Uh, expecting huge things for him. Year number three, we're expecting him to uh, grow as far as his offense goes, right? Is that ever going to happen with two ball-dominant guards? Is his progress going to be stunted, right, because you have Garland and Mitchell, and we're never going to see him score more than 16 points or plays run for him or through him because of Garland and Mitchell? I think it could be. Yeah, I think that's a fair question. Um, you know, again, the the way I think that you, you're you're trying to be you're trying to outscore people a lot with Garland and Mitchell, right? Uh, you know, and, and and it's that's okay, but it's only going to carry you so far. It, 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 and in order for I think a lot of guys to reach their potential. Probably in particular, he's going to have to get the ball more. He's going to have to feel more comfortable when he gets the ball. People talk about J.B. Bickerstaff teams and all that substitution patterns, or or you know, is he should he be on the hot seat? I don't have any problems really so much. The offense is lacking a little creativity, but I don't have any problems as much with J.B. Bickerstaff guys as I. It, it, other than the area that it seems to me outside of Donovan Mitchell and maybe Darius Garland, nobody else is very consistent. There's nobody else. And that's been kind of the whole, now I don't know that that's all on JB Bickerstaff, but I think some of it is why aren't guys more confident, more consistent in their roles? And why is, you know, look, for instance, Isaac Okoro had a great, what, two or three weeks. Look, fantastic. And then he comes back and does the same old Isaac Okoro thing where you don't even realize he's on the floor for two weeks. Right. Why is that in year four? Is that is that Isaac Okoro or is, that, is there a little bit of coaching involved there? And I think there may be. Uh, and it's the same thing with Mobley. Here he is in year three. And you never know which guy you're going to get. He's always pretty good. 
but he's not, like you said, Kenny, he's just not at that level. And I don't know. I don't know the, the answer. I don't know if you can get there with two ball dominant guards. I don't know if you can, if you can get there with the, with the roster the way it is. Maybe not. You know, I, I, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. The signs in year three aren't really promising, you know, if, if you're talking about greatness for Mowgli. Sam, we always appreciate the time. Keep up the fantastic work at Amico uh, Hoops on Twitter at HoopsWire.com, and we appreciate you joining us here on the Kenny and JT Show. All right, guys. Thanks for having me, and we'll uh, talk to you soon.